he didn't probably know how frustrated I was or where I was at. So I just told him one day, of course, over some wine, maybe that was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have any wine before you have these conversations. No wine conversations. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 223 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. What are we doing today? Well, today we are talking with a stepmom who is healing after her husband and bio mom had a one-night stand. Ooh. Mm. She has two stepkids, one bio kid, and has been married for two years. Well, I don't know what to say about that. Well, the two stepkids have different bio moms. Well, at least they didn't have an affair with both bio moms. <laughs> David. <laughs> I'm trying to find a silver lining. I'm trying to find a silver, the silver lining. The silver lining is that she's trying to heal from this. That's the silver lining. Okay. <laughs> The hardest part of blending for her, besides dealing with that issue, is feeling unliked and unappreciated by the stepkids. And I know 99.9% of our listeners can relate to that. Yeah, they're all shaking their head. But you know, sometimes, not every time, but sometimes the reason you're not appreciated by your stepkids could possibly be because you're also not appreciated by their biological parent. Meaning your significant other. Correct. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. If we're sitting at the dinner table and you say, Lori, get me something to drink. How do you think your kids are going to ask me to get them something to drink? Give me something to drink, woman. (laughs) (laughs) Kids learn by example. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I remember when, when we were probably in our roughest patch, um, the kids... I was not happy with our relationship, and so I was not quick to defend anything that my kids may be doing to you that sometimes I felt maybe was was even appropriate. For example, if you were fussing at them and I was, and I didn't think that you should be fussing at them, and if they talk back to you, I wasn't very quick to correct them because I'm like, you shouldn't have been talking to them like that anyway. And so it puts you in a in a bad position. So you think it's okay? Didn't say didn't say it was okay. I'm saying that I often see and I and I feel like I did it and I often see other people do it where when there's not a good relationship there between you and your significant other, you don't tend to step in when your kids are doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You almost well, I wouldn't say almost, you do allow it simply because there's not that, you don't have a good relationship going on anyway. So you're saying that you allowed your kids to be disrespectful to me. I was not quick to defend that. That is correct. Mm. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad to say. Yeah, David. Mm-hmm. At least I'm mad enough to say it. 
I don't know. And I know it's it's common because I hear other people talking about it that that it happens. So it's not a an uncommon occurrence. And you think about it, when you're mad at somebody, if somebody else does something to them, oftentimes you're not going to try to defend them because you're like, you're mad at them too. So whatever. Well, I get that, but I guess being a parent, you try to teach your kids to always be respectful. I think, yeah, I think there's a line to cross. I mean, if they would have like cussed you out, I'd, I would have probably pinned them up against the wall, but. They'd have cussed me out. I'd have pinned them up against the wall and I'd have been <laughs> in jail. Let's tell the truth. <laughs> but, you know, there's that line between you shouldn't do this and, and you will not do this. You know what I'm saying? And so if it was, if it was a, you shouldn't do this, then I was probably less likely to, to say anything when we were at our, when we were at our worst. Okay. I'm trying to think if there was a time that Jackson might have said something to you to where I felt that way. No, because he feared the almighty David. Too bad your own kids didn't. All right, folks. Give me an example of why you feel that's true. What? That my own kids didn't. Fear you? You gave your own example. Uh, I know. I don't think so. Anyway, carry on. If your kids thought that you were mad at me or whatever, then you allowed them to be disrespectful. To you, not to me. Right. All right. Well, don't know where you're going, so. (laughs) You don't know where you've been. (laughs) I'm not sure what point you're trying to make, but I'm sure you made it in your head. Stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, like, for instance, you said that Jackson feared David Almighty, which was not true. Hey, no, you mean what you know what I mean? Like, right? Respect. But now, now I I feared the wrath of my mom, so I would never be disrespectful to anybody. Yeah, no. When you were when you and I were growing up, it was it was not a respectful fear. It was a it it was a literal fear. Like I was afraid my parents would hit me, and you were too. My mom, not my dad. But I never well, acted disrespectful to anybody in front of my dad either. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine, that, you know, the, I remember a friend of mine when we were in elementary school, his dad beat him with a horse whip when he got in trouble at school. Now, my parents never did anything like that, but that does, at that age, you're thinking, wow, I hope my parents don't do that. And so you kind of, you still relate it. Like they could do that. They might do that. Let me not push them to do that. <laughs> because if somebody else's parent does that, maybe that's a parent thing. And I just haven't been exposed to it yet. <laughs> I mean, when you're nine years old, you're not really sure, you know, that all people are acting differently sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I was afraid of what my parents would do based on what somebody else's parents did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the kid that everybody else was afraid that their parents would start acting like that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'll never forget that though. When he came back to school, it was bad. Like they somebody should have locked his parents up. It was that bad. But uh you could do stuff back then like that. Well, didn't you do something that, that helped him get in trouble or something like that? I didn't do something to help him get in trouble. He and I got into a, a fight. 
And so I think my parents called his parents and, you know, uh, and unbeknownst to them, the way they decided to handle the fight, my parents, the way my parents looked at, this is how we were going to handle this fight. His parents took it a completely different direction. It wasn't like, we're going to put you on restriction or we're going to do, no, it was, I'm going to take you out to the horse barn and I'm going to beat you with the whip. Mm. It would surprise me if he didn't still have marks today. That's how bad it was. Mm. So, and needless to say, if he and I ever got into an argument after that, like I wouldn't tell anybody because I did not want that to happen to him again. Right. I mean, because the, the fight he and I got into was just a kid scuffle, you know, a couple yeah. of elementary school kids scuffle. It was not something he should have gotten that kind of trouble for. Mm. But I, I never forgot it. And I, and I was probably eight, nine years old. I might have even been younger than that. I don't know. But I never forgot that. That's so sad. All right. Let's go back to this stepmom that we're interviewing. Her best advice is, you can't reason with unreasonable people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. And you can't expect crazy people not to do crazy things. <laughs> I like this girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she was fun to talk to. I guess if she were hanging out with me and you, she would probably put me into the crazy department and well, put yeah. you in the unreasonable department. No, <laughs> you would follow her both. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> okay, I guess you were crazy then too. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> she talks about at one point everything the stepkids did annoyed her. Been there, done that. Yep. Yep. And it's hard to get over that. And she also complained a lot about the stepkids. Been there, done that. Let me tell you something. There's times when my own biological kids annoyed the crap out of me. And I wasn't the step-parent. So I can not imagine. Actually, I can. But it's a whole lot worse when you're not their parent. Mm -hmm. It's like when you go out. We talked about this before. You go out to eat, right? Your kid's like doing all kind of crazy stuff and crawling up under the table, making noise, and you just keep on eating. You don't pay that much attention to it. But, dude, you let that person across the restaurant had a kid doing all that? You're like, oh, my God, I should never bring kids into a restaurant. I wish they'd take them out of here. If that was my kid, I'd beat their tail. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's something that that's inside of you that gives you the ability to tolerate your kids more than you can somebody else's. It's just, it's, it's just a thing. I think one of these days they'll, they'll find the link in the brain. Like there's this little teeny dot in the brain <laughs> that we found out. It's called the parent link. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> it, it enables you to tolerate your kids. So you don't take them and put them up for sale on Facebook marketplace. It's got to be something I'm telling you. Now, I said she complained a lot about the stepkids, and I said, yep, been there, done that too. But she realized that she was complaining about kids. Yeah. Now, listen to that. She realized she was complaining about kids. A lot of times we, as parents, step-parents, crazy people, unreasonable people, whatever, we expect these kids to be able to handle their emotions and the challenges they're going through 
better than we're handling them. Mm-hmm. That's like saying, why don't that 10-year-old act like a 30-year-old? <laughs> well, and it could be because we always hear how resilient kids are, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that kids are necessarily resilient as they can move on quicker. Yeah. They're like, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. Let's just move on. Yeah. That's why That's why it come, you come back when you're 30, 40 years old and you're talking about all this suppressed emotions from your childhood because you couldn't deal with it then, so <laughs> you have to deal with it when you get older and you, you have to have therapy. Yeah. So, so the same people that say kids are resilient, those resilient kids then later on become <laughs> adults who have to have counseling for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she got depressed. She started researching because she felt like something was wrong with her. Mm-hmm. All you step parents, raise your hand. Not if you're driving. <laughs> but raise your hand if you felt like at some point something was wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Got mine up. As a step parent, David. Oh, thought you meant a parent. <laughs> you ain't funny, David. You ain't funny. But seriously, how many of you have felt that way? A bunch. Then she heard about Nacho Kids on Reddit. She decided to drink wine and tell her husband about Nacho. <laughs> <laughs> In that order. <laughs> and let's just say, that's probably not the best way to handle that. I mean, everything about Nacho. Do and I'm always thinking is you want nachos <laughs> yeah, with wine? <laughs> can you pair this wine with a nacho? <laughs> but I can get it because it's a tough conversation to have. A lot of people, they drink and they get bolder. So she's probably like, oh, I got to do something. She drinks some wine. She's like, let me tell you about this nacho. <laughs> Any sentence that starts out with, let me tell you, it's probably not good. Yep. (laughs) Needless to say, her husband was hurt because it probably didn't come across the right way. Yeah. Because it was wine tainted. But that's all I'm going to tell you right now because David talked too much. All right, then. Let's get to listening. Today, we have a stepmom from Idaho. Hey, stepmom from Idaho. How are you? I'm doing great, Lori. How are you? Doing well. So how long have you been blending? It has been three years here coming up next week. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Well, we, we've been married for two years and we've been together for three. Okay. Yeah, my husband and I, we, uh, we met during COVID about six weeks into the shutdowns in our state. And he added me on social media and Got some mutual friends, and I don't like having people on my social media that I don't know. So <laughs> I reached out to him and said, hey, do I know you? And he said, you know what? We don't know each other yet, but how are you? And we just started talking. And after a few days, I asked him, hey, do you want to meet up and go on a walk? And it was the best first date ever. We just walked along the creek where I live, like two hours, and and talked and got to know each other. And our second date, a week later, we Went on another walk for like four hours, and it was just like the stars aligned, and we had found our soulmates. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And about five months into us dating, uh, my husband asked you know, what I thought about us moving in together, and I told him, you know what? I'm going to tell you 
about the conversation I just had with my grandma about this. And this is what I told her. I'm not moving in with any man unless I'm married to him. And my husband has two boys. And at the time they were three and eight. And I have a daughter who at the time was nine. And for the kids, you know, they had all already been through enough with divorce, moving houses, schools being shut down, not being able to see their friends, you know, all sorts of stress and moving in together before marriage. It it just didn't seem like a great idea without that commitment from both of us. Right. Yeah. So a month after that, my husband asked me to marry him (laughs) after that. (laughs) (laughs) So we were really busy planning the wedding planning on buying a house. And and during that time, we were having the kids spend more time together and sometimes have sleepovers. And I just wish so bad that I'd known about all the things that go into being a step parent at that time mm-hmm. and about not showing. Uh, I just was so clueless. My parents have been married for almost 40 years. Same with my husband's parents. My grandparents have been married for 60 years and I just haven't ever had any exposure to step parent or blended family life. And I'm close with all of my family. So when an adult in your family tells you to do something, you do it. Uh, you, yeah. <laughs> you don't get attitude. You don't give sass. And, you know, my ex-husband, he, my daughter's dad, he's married and I get along really great with his wife, my daughter's stepmom. And if I hear anything about my daughter, giving her stepmom sass and not listening, you know, she's in trouble at her dad's and she's in trouble when she gets to my house. Cause I don't like that. <laughs> I, I really respect her, her stepmom. And I think that she's really helped uh, my daughter's dad step up and be the dad that he is now. And so I just have a lot of respect for her. And and now being a stepmom myself, I have a lot of empathy for what she must go through at her house when my daughter is not listening to her. Yes. Uh, and so that's kind of my experience, you know, when I first got married to my husband of, you know, my exposure to being a stepmom was, was not a lot and it was positive. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Mm -hmm. just to back up a little bit, when, how long had you been separated or divorced and how long had your future husband been separated and divorced when y'all met? I had been divorced for probably, gosh, eight years. Okay. For a while. Yeah. And my husband, it was seven months. Oh, fast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. And are the stepkids by the same mom? Uh, the st- They both have different moms, <laughs> which is a lot. They both have different moms. And so my husband, he dated his um, oldest son's mom for about a month, and then she was pregnant. And so they stayed together for a while, and it ended up kind of fizzling out. But he, I guess, slept on the couch for years and they just wanted to stay in the same house until their son was five. And then once he turned five, my husband moved out and he met baby mama number two. She got (laughs) pregnant after a few months of them dating. And I think my husband at that point, he said, you know, he didn't want to have another child out of wedlock and got married to his youngest son's mom. And, you know, I want to preface first before I talk about her that I have a lot of empathy for people who struggle with personality disorders. And I'm not disparaging people in general who have to deal with this. But my husband's ex-wife has borderline personality disorder. And in general, these people have the tendency to be very high conflict. So I think they were married for less than three years. They went to several different counselors together. And 
you know, my husband's family just really disliked her because she was causing chaos within their family all the time. And, and they're all really close. So it was about seven months after they were divorced that he and I met and he had sworn off women, was never going <laughs> to get married, never going to date again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and look what happened. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> there you are. So you meet this man. He's got two kids, two different bio moms. You have a child. Y'all move in together. Prior to getting married, what was the relationship like between the kids and your relationship with the stepkids? Yeah, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of red flags, really. I mean, we didn't we didn't have like a ton of sleepovers, I guess, together with the kids. We did have some. It wasn't like every night or anything like that, but they they were okay together. They seemed to get along okay. My daughter is what I like to call a spiritual child, my spiritual child, because she really was sent here to test me, I think, and make me have more patience. <laughs> so she's kind of a, a sassy, sassy pants. She speaks her mind. She does not hold back. And, and I know that about her and, and my husband's boys, especially his oldest, he's very sweet and very sensitive. And so I think they had some clashes, but before we were married and before we moved in together, there was really not a lot of issues that, that came up, not, not a lot of red flags. Mm -hmm. After we got married, though, it just, it seemed like everything changed right when we got married. Like my daughter, mm -hmm. she and her dad and stepmom were having a baby at the same time. So she had a lot of stuff going on, but she's like stopped eating. She was like super pale. And at this time she's 10 years old, wasn't eating, was losing weight. And I'm like, what, what is going on with her? So we've got that going on. And then my husband's oldest had a lot of different issues that, that seemed to come up wetting the bed and just a lot of different things were happening where I was like, Whoa, what, why, why are we doing this? And then they were not getting along. My oldest and his oldest, they were not getting along at all. They were fighting all the time. They just seemed to hate each other. And that was really tough because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, we just brought our lives together. Now the kids really hate each other. What, what do we do? Mm -hmm. So our approach at the time at first was, you know what, you guys, we don't want to hear you tattling on each other. Like you guys just need to deal with this issue that you're having. And, and we tried not to step in a lot. I think at first we kind of did, um, but we tried not to step in too much. We're like, you guys just need to deal with it. And, and right. I, don't, I don't know if that worked well, but I do think it's important that they work out their own issues. So that was kind of our approach at first, but something that I started doing, cause I work at home and my daughter would, I would hear her just kind of pop off on the oldest stepson. And, you know, I'm like, Oh my goodness, this girl. And he would sometimes cry. Like she'd make him cry and they are fighting. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, you need to stop. You need to be nice to him. And I would, I would get her in trouble. And her response was, well, you just love him more than me. And you're just getting me in trouble. And he was doing this. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do about that, but I, I think you just need to be nicer to him. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, man, maybe I am doing something wrong here by kind of blaming my daughter. <laughs> and so it's like, I'm going to listen. And so I kind of started listening 
to their conversations, you know, kind of eavesdropping. And, and my stepson, even though he's so sweet, he would say very quietly, so sneaky about it. He would say these mean things to her and he was like starting it, but he would be so quiet that nobody else could hear but her. And of course she can't hold back. So she's just popping off on him. And so I started telling my husband like, Hey, look, you know, he's doing these things and saying these things. And I think at first my husband didn't really believe it. He's like, no way he wouldn't act like that. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm hearing him kind of start these arguments. And so that was kind of the start of me complaining about the stepkids was with the arguing and what I was hearing, which mm-hmm. now I know was maybe a mistake. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I don't know what I was supposed to do at that time, but not the right approach. It could have been approached differently, but at times they do need to be made aware of stuff. And it's all in how you say it. Yes, it is. Because it started with, hey, here's why I think they're arguing. Because he's starting these arguments a lot of the time and I'm hearing him do this. And then I started just noticing more things that were that were starting to make me so mad. Like I work from home and the boys would come home and they were so loud. And I wasn't used to that. You know, I'm used to my daughter just being there. And, you know, these boys were so loud and I, I couldn't concentrate and that was annoying me. And then I started noticing their eating habits. You know, I'm starting noticing these things that they're doing. They're just driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. Everything. Every little thing, they're chewing with their mouths open, their food's all over their face, it's all over my nice chairs in my dining room, all over the rug, they don't clean up after themselves, and it was just every little tiny thing that they were doing, and then I would tell my husband, like, hey, I don't know what's going on with their table manners, but it's really grossing me out, and I can't, like, this is why I get up from the table so fast after eating, because I can't be around this, it is, I can't even eat when I'm around them. Right. Which was a bad approach, right? I mean, there's a better way that I could have said it instead of being so brutally honest about, hey, this is in my head. I'm going to say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, we learn a lot being stepmoms. Oh, yeah. I could have. This is somebody's kid, right? And so I could have. It's somebody you love's kid. Yes. Um, and of course, they're going to be upset. And you know, I'd, I'd complain and complain. And I was really just expecting him to fix it. I don't know what how, right? I was just like, you you just need to fix this and tell them to be better. And he eventually said to me a couple of times, you know, I, I'm so frustrated. I can't talk about this anymore. I don't know how to fix it. I, I got to go to bed. I don't want to talk about this anymore. And so then I started feeling really terrible and frustrated about myself. Like what kind of a person am, am I to like be so annoyed with these two little kids who are just being them and they're just doing what they know how to do. And I just started feeling so bad and really just hating myself and being really depressed. And this was about a year into our blend, just thinking, Oh my gosh, like I am a bad person for not loving these kids. Yep. You're going to hell. Yes. And you know, I love to cook. I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I'm pretty good at it. And my daughter for all her faults, she's never been really a picky eater. She eats what I make. Um, my philosophy is, you know, I'm not here to cater to you. That It's my choice. I'm the cook. I'm making something really good so you can eat it. 
And she, she does really well with it despite being really defiant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but my oldest stepson, you know, bless his heart. He is the pickiest little eater I've ever seen. Like if he knows that there's an onion in his food, he will start gagging at the table. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> or his other trick is that he'll chug, you know, two you know bottles of water so that he doesn't have to eat. He can say that he's full. And so that, that right there was taking away my joy doing something I like. I like to cook. And then I was feeling all this resentment towards these, you know, these kids that they were taking that joy away from me, uh, which made me feel even worse. What kind of a person resents little kids? It's, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible feeling, but I get it. I was there. And those of you that don't get it good, but we get it because we've been through it and it's not easy Because like you said, you start beating yourself up because you think you're a crappy person for how you feel. And the truth of the matter is you're just struggling and you don't know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was kind of at that point where I started researching, like, I I need to figure out what is wrong with me, because there is something wrong in my brain where I am not liking these kids. And that's kind of where I was at. And it was hurting my husband's feelings. And he would say, you know, I just feel like you hate my kids. And you're thinking, well, I really do. I'm just like, well, you know what? I don't hate them, but I just, I don't want to be around them. They they don't want to listen to me. I can clearly see that they are struggling with me. They don't want to eat what I cook. They They don't want to do what I say. They're upset when I tell them to do anything and I can see it. I don't hate them. I just, something's wrong and it, it's hard to be around them. Yeah, it's it's not that you want anything to happen to them, but you're okay if they never come back. <laughs> I, I know that that would really make my husband so sad. Right. <laughs> I would never, ever want that to happen. But the days when, you know, it's just my husband and I, those are really my favorite days. <laughs> Mm -hmm. about that. Those are my favorite days because it's like, oh man, we get to connect. It's so much chaos when all the kids are here, but when it's just us, it's so nice. But when the stepkids are there and they were really just thirsty for his attention all the time, like there was a time where I couldn't even talk to my husband when the kids were around. This was a, a few months ago. This was probably about six months ago. I couldn't even have a conversation with him. We'd all be in the kitchen without the kids kind of just butting in and not letting us even talk to each other. And so it was hard to connect when the kids were there. And so mm-hmm. that made me kind of resent them even more, which is, you know, just this cycle of feeling like a terrible person all the time. Right. But what I realized in kind of my research, and I didn't know about Nacho Kids at the time, but I kind of heard about it on a Reddit forum Mm -hmm. about what it meant. And I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. And, and just also in my research of, of step parenting in general and reading some books, I realized, man, these kids grow up in a totally different house than our home that we have built here. They have a whole other life at their mom's houses where these things don't matter. It doesn't matter to their other parents that they don't have any table manners. It doesn't matter to them that they are wetting the bed. They don't want to fix it. Yeah. There's just these basic things that they don't, that are important to me that just aren't important there at their other house. Right. I'm sorry. I think we forgot to mention how often you had the stepkids. 
That's okay. Um, we have both boys. They were able to get on the first, uh, the same schedule despite having different moms, which is kind of nice. Yes. We have them every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every week, and then every other weekend. Okay. And before, when I first met my husband, they were on different schedules and I, I couldn't even keep track. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on with when you have your kids. I have my daughter, you know, 50, 50. So she's here every Friday. She stays a week. She goes back to her dad's and it's so easy, but his schedule was so chaotic. It wasn't until his um, youngest son's mom, the high conflict one, um, it wasn't until she took him to court a couple years ago, trying to get full custody. And the reason was, I think, because we were getting married, because the response date on the uh, when she sued him for custody was uh, coincidentally on our wedding day. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that was a coincidence. I think that was her being petty. Yes, I agree. Yeah. But with that, Judge thankfully saw right through it and he was able to change the schedule to be the same as his oldest boys. And um, able to get better custody schedule and actually pays way less in child support. So the pettiness paid off. We just had to kind of go through a lot with with her, unfortunately. Right. So you're struggling. Yeah. Beating yourself up every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You feel like you've made a mistake getting married. Uh, yeah. You didn't say that. I did. Uh, <laughs> I started to feel like, man, this is very, very hard. Like we had already at the beginning of our marriage kind of started off on a rocky, rocky start. And so that was really hard. And so I think us starting out rocky and I can go into that, but I think starting out rocky, we were really focused on our relationship and we weren't noticing in the beginning all the issues that the kids were having. I'll admit it. We weren't on that a whole lot. You know, we were focused on us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. When you found the nacho thing, you started looking into it. Did you tell your husband about it? You know, I did. And <laughs> my conversation was because I thought I knew it. I didn't join the Nacho Kids Academy at this point. I just had kind of learned about what nachoing meant that they're not your kids, you know? And, and I was like, oh, that makes sense to me after all this, this other stuff that I've read <laughs> in books, like, okay, they're not my kids. So I need to stop acting like they're my kids. Yes. That one simple statement, once you get it, yeah, it changes everything. Yes. And it did. It changed, it changed my perspective, but my husband hadn't been doing all this research. He hadn't been looking into it and he didn't probably know how frustrated I was. Or where I was at. So I just told him one day, of course, over some wine, maybe that was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have any wine before you have these conversations. No wine conversations. Yeah. Um, And I just said, listen, you know what? I've been feeling really terrible about myself, being so frustrated with the boys. They are great kids, but they are making me crazy. And I said things like, you know, the table manners, I'm, I'm disgusted by it. I I can't be around them. Uh, And so I've been reading about this thing called nachoing. And basically it's that I'm not their mom. They don't want to listen to me or do the things I expect in my house because I'm not their mom. I don't have control over what they do. And they're clearly having a tough time with my rules, like table manners, not being so loud when I'm trying to work, making messes. So I 
need you to talk to them about these things. I'm stepping back. I'm not telling them what to do anymore. And that's up to you. That made him feel pretty bad. You know, I, I, I remember seeing kind of the shock look on his face and he's like, but you are like the mom of this house and you are in charge and I expect them to listen to you. But you ain't making them. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I expect them to listen to you. And so his approach was, and he later said, you know, I, I think that this was a mistake, but he told them, listen, you will listen to your stepmom. You will do what she says and you will not complain about it. You know, and that that's kind of like telling somebody, this is what I told him. That's like telling somebody you need to like this person. You yeah. can make somebody like somebody. And that's really kind of where it stems from. They don't like you and they don't trust you because they don't know you. And so it, it was rough. I, I had to have a few conversations with him because his whole stance was, man, you hate my kids and you're going to divorce me and you, you don't want to be with me because you hate my kids. And I was saying, you know, it's not that I, I want to fix it. I just don't know how. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> for everyone out there listening who has heard of Nacho, but hasn't joined the academy, take my situation into account. You need to have a better approach. When you talk to your spouse, you you can't just tell them, hey, I'm going to not to your kids because they're not my kids and they they make me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah. I mean, you and David walk through that right approach. And I'm so glad I joined the academy. I wish I would have gone through it sooner before talking about it with him because I, I just was like, and I think I had emailed you about it and you emailed me back like, hey, I need a do over. How do I do this over? But I, I have been able to have more of a collaboration and less of a, I'm not doing this. So you need to, right. That's me right. Still telling him what to do, mm-hmm. telling him how to parent. Mm-hmm. Parenting by proxy. Yes. And so, you know, that, that doesn't work. It's more of a, Hey, I, I'm really stressed. I can see that there's a problem. What, how do you think we can fix this? What are things that you think we can do? And mm-hmm. you know, he, he doesn't know what to do when he's not home. Right. He doesn't see these things. But and he doesn't want you him. He doesn't want to come home from work and you spend the first ten minutes he's home complaining about what his kids did do. Yeah, absolutely. He wants to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to come home and yell at them. I don't want to come home and, and yell at my daughter, even though sometimes it feels like that's all I'm doing. Um, but <laughs> you know, once I I started telling him kind of in a better approach that I learned in the academy of you know working together on a solution and really hearing what he has to say and listening to his frustrations um, and being prepared to listen to those because he had his own frustrations with my daughter that I didn't know about. Right. And I I think Mm -hmm. he, I think you and David talk about this, that David already was not showing without knowing that he was doing it. Like my husband already does that, you know, Mm -hmm. let's let you deal with it. Cause, cause this is your child and you know how to deal with it. But he did have his own frustrations. And I think it's important to be ready to listen to those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe swallow your pride a little bit because it was it was good for me to hear that he had his own frustrations with my daughter. And it was good for me to feel how that feels to be complained to a little bit as well. Yeah, it's not good. It was good for me to do, but yes. it wasn't uh, a good feeling for sure. Yes. So what things did you step back from and what did that look like? Because your daughter was there at times that your stepkids were there. So what about dinner? Did you continue to cook dinner and they start eating what you cook? Did you stop cooking? What did 
you starting to nacho look like from your standpoint? What things did you stop doing? Great question. I think one big one, because dinner was such a big frustration, was I asked my husband, like, hey, you know, I need you to maybe cook dinner while they're here because they <laughs> maybe that'll help. And I said, you know what? I bet when you cook them dinner, they're gonna be like, oh my gosh, dad, this is the best. I can't believe <laughs> you're gonna cook exactly the same thing that I do. And same instructions on the box. Same thing. And so he did. He he cooked meals while he was while they were here. And um, at first, yes, they did. They were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Thanks, dad. And then after a while, they they started complaining again. And then we were like, oh, okay. They they complain no matter what. All right. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, but yeah. I don't like cooking. So that makes it even worse. Oh my gosh. You're like, I just worked hard doing something that I hate and you're going to be rude about it. Yeah. I, I would feel that same way. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. When he started doing the cooking and stuff, was he grumpy when he was in there cooking to take over that role when they were there? Or was he just okay with it? He was totally okay with it. He's so sweet. He always wants to help me. So, and usually I just don't let him. So that's on me. So I'm like, oh, no, I have it. I, I love doing this. But he was really sweet about it. And what other things do you think that you started not showing? It was really just the things that I was doing. So for example, the table manners, mm-hmm. I would get mad about it, you know, and I would tell them over and over again, chew with your mouth closed. You're, you're making a mess. Hey, clean up your mess, do this. And I just stopped doing that. And I just paid attention to my plate, paid attention to my husband. If my daughter was there, I paid attention to her, but I just didn't really look at what they were doing. And maybe that, I don't know if that made them feel bad. I I'm not sure, but I just did. I, for my own, <laughs> for my own self, I just couldn't look at them because it really grossed me out. Um, so I just stopped and I would just look at my husband. And at first he was kind of hit or miss on helping them with those behaviors. He wouldn't catch it. Yeah. Cause they're not eagle eyed on what their kids doing wrong. Like we are. Yes. So he wouldn't really catch it, but now, I mean, about six months later, he he catches it every single time and is telling them to stop. And they're still doing it. I don't understand it. But I, it, like I said, I don't think it's important that they're at their parents' houses. Right. And that matters a lot. And you have said something that's so important. For me, the slurping with the spaghetti, I could not deal with it. So my sitting there looking at David wasn't going to help or focusing on Jackson. I had to physically remove myself from spaghetti night. <laughs> but there, the fact that there, these things, you sat there, looked at your husband and chose, you chose not to focus on the stepkids. You made a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to look at them. I'm going to focus on my husband. I'm going to focus on my daughter. I'm going to eat my dinner. And they are not going to upset me. I will not allow them to upset me. Yeah. And it was it was me just saying, okay, I I can't change what is happening. <laughs> and maybe that's the control freaking me. I can't have control over everything. So that's that's a nice lesson that I learned as well, that I can't control everything. 
and nor should I um, have mm-hmm. control of everything. God help us. But it's just knowing, you know what? I can't control what other people are doing, but I can control what I do. So it was less of, you know, expecting my husband like, hey, you need to you need to fix this. It was more, you know what? I just I don't I can't do this. You know, I can't pay attention to this. And so I'm just not going to. And I I think my husband noticed. And so I think that's why he's correcting those behaviors. And I think that's why he's doing it, because I I stepped back and I was like, I'm just going to focus on on me. And it worked. Yes. And you have the ability to sit there and still be able to enjoy a decent dinner. No, it's not perfect, but it's a decent dinner. Yes. Yes. And there, there have been times in the beginning when I was like, I need to take a step back where I did still get up and walk away. Mm-hmm. And I, my husband got the message, I think, because I just couldn't do it. But then it's like, you know what? That's not really kind, it, even though it's what's <laughs> it was nice for me. We We should teach these kids that it's important for everybody to sit down as a family. And so I, I think that that's really important that, OK, I just need to switch my focus. Yeah. And I do think that family dinners are important. And David did too. That was one of his big things. But we realized that having a family dinner and it being spaghetti, yeah, we probably could have never made spaghetti again. But it being something like that drove me batty, batty. So it wasn't worth having that family dinner when I'm sitting there mad. And I remember the day that I realized that when I was sitting at the table, that I would honest to goodness watch his kids to see what they did wrong. Yep. Yep. And you want to uh, talk about feeling pathetic and like a crappy person. And I'm sitting there thinking, why am I so bent on proving to David his kids aren't perfect and make him see everything they do wrong that I think they do wrong? Yeah, I was doing the same exact thing and it is not a good feeling. And so I just, like, I've got to stop. Yes. Yep. You're sitting there with your elbow on the table. You're like, "Mm -hmm. go ahead, little Johnny. I know you get ready to smack. I know know you are. Go ahead, little Johnny. Then it happens. You're like, "Mm -hmm. I knew it. And then you look at your husband and he didn't do anything. You're like, "Mm -hmm." figured he wouldn't even see it. (laughs) Yeah. And you're just putting yourself in a spot to be mad. Like you're just making yourself mad. Yeah. And you're the one that has the problem with it. Yep. Nobody else cares. Yep. (laughs) No one else cares. Now, I do think it's bad behavior if we're talking about that one little behavior. But you know what? I I have the choice to deal with it the way that I, you know, that I deal with it. I I don't have a choice to make them fix it. They're they're just not going to listen to me. But it's gotten better ever since I stepped away. It's been so nice. It's been really weird how that works that mm-hmm. once I started stepping back and, you know, not telling them what to do so much. And sometimes I do, you know, if, if they've made a mess, sometimes I tell them to clean it up and I don't have a problem with it. But for about four months, I didn't, I didn't tell them what to do at all. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting into the point where I feel comfortable doing it and they're not, you know, upset about it. Cause I, I can, I can tell, I could tell when I would tell them to do any small thing, they would be very upset. 
Yeah, you would think that you were telling them that they're getting ready to have to run seven miles. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, what is going on? I'm just asking you to pick up your towel. I'm asking you not to fight with each other. What is going on? Why are you so mad about this? Um, but they mm-hmm. they would be very upset. And my husband would, you know, I tell him this, like, hey, they're they're really upset when I tell them what to do. He's like, well, tough luck. They need to do what you say. I'm like, yeah, I get it, but they're mad about it. And I don't like, I don't like making these kids upset. I, I really do hate it. I don't like making people mad at me, even if they are kids. I don't, I don't like that they don't like me. I want people to like me, even if they are kids. They're my husband's kids and I want them to like me. And so it was upsetting to to be the person that's making these kids so mad. Yes. You're making the kids miserable. Yeah. Yeah. So you've started to re-engage a little bit. Yes. Yes. And, and that's great. Have you ran across something that you've started to re-engage with and you realize, no, nah, no, I'm not ready or they're not ready? There have been a few instances. I think the other night it was, and this hasn't happened in a while, where I made something for dinner and silly me, it had <laughs> chunks of tomatoes in it. what did I do? And my oldest stepson was just like using his fingers to pick out his food, pick out things. And, and I was like, Hey, don't do that. Don't pick at your food. And he was, he got that look on his face that he gets where Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, she's telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you know what, maybe I need to, to, maybe I went too far by trying to put some tomatoes in the food. <laughs> maybe I just don't do that. So I, I did have that thought of mm, maybe it's time for me to kind of step back on that. Cause you know, I was trying to push my limits a little bit too and be like, Ooh, I wonder if I can put tomatoes in this and everything will be okay. And it wasn't. So I did have the thought. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking what made you think it was going to be okay. The child's <laughs> the same child. He didn't change. I know. <laughs> I get it though. But now I'm going to tell you something. I am extremely picky. So if people picking stuff off their food bothers you, you and I can't go to lunch or dinner together. <laughs> I just won't look. Okay. If I don't well, look, it's fine. Sometimes, well, most of the time I ask them to make it the way I like it, but there's sometimes that you're like, eh, I don't want that on there. So, but anyway, he's not the only one that picks at his food. Yeah. And you know what? My husband's so picky too, but he, he's so sweet to me that he'll, I think if he doesn't like something, he just pretends like he does. <laughs> oh, God love him. I know. <laughs> he's so sweet. So yeah, the, I did have that thought, but that really it's just been going really well to where I felt comfortable, like kind of just telling them, Hey, pick that up or do this. And they, they've been okay. But I I don't punish them or anything like that. There's no, I did send my youngest stepson to his room one day because he, he was being kind of naughty. And I think my husband was at work and I felt okay doing that with him. But the oldest, I, I would not discipline him or send him to his room. Two things, if I remember what they were. May I make a suggestion? Yes. Instead of telling them what to do, ask them. So instead of saying, hey, pick that up, or you need to pick that up, just say, hey, can you pick that up for me? Okay. It's amazing the difference you'll see. 
It's even better if you can say, hey, can you help me and pick that up? Because then they're helping you. I bet they would like that. Okay. And it's harder to tell somebody no when they're asking for help. Yes. I really like that. Okay. I'm going to try that. Yep. Try that and see how that goes. Okay. And be careful with the re-engaging. Don't don't think you're going to wake up next week and things are going to be to the point that you can say, you need to go brush your teeth and you need to, yeah, no. I, we're 13 years in, we'll be married 14 years this year. There are still things that I do not re-engage with, even if I want to. Like there's things that I want to say from a helpful standpoint, but I understand it could come across as criticism. And with each kid, it's different. Like I can sit one of them down and talk to him about be like, dude, mm-mm, you messing up. What are you thinking? That is not very bright. Another one, I don't feel comfortable doing that. We don't have that same relationship. But things have definitely improved with the relationships through the nacho process. But just don't set your hopes too high. Okay. You know, one of the things we have to do is no expectations. And that means no expectations when you come into it, no expectations during it, and no expectations when you start reengaging. That is that is a good piece of advice because, you know, I, I was definitely thinking, okay, well, re-engaging, I'll just start <laughs> throwing in some tomatoes and everything will be fine. And, and you know, it wasn't. That's not re-engaging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> re-engaging is, hey, stepson, how was your day today? Mm-hmm. Re-engaging is, hey, I'm going to run to the store. Do you want to go with me? Or I'm going to the grocery store. Is there a certain type of cereal you want? That's re-engaging. Putting tomatoes in there. <laughs> that is stepmom in Idaho putting something in the food that she wants, hoping that stepkid won't complain about it because they're a little better with their relationship. Your relationship with him doesn't make him like tomatoes. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, I think that's funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely learned that lesson. Um, but yes. it's gotten better to where I've been able to kind of talk to them because I was at a point where I didn't even want to talk to them because they were, you know, I'd come down in the morning and they would not say hi to me. I'd be like, good morning. And they wouldn't talk or they'd just be so grumpy. And I was like, that's so rude. Um, and it would make my husband so mad at them, you know, when he would see it. But, you know, I got to a point where I'm like, well, I'm just not going to say good morning to them anymore because they don't care if I say good morning to them. They're being rude and I'm just not going to do it. But now I say good morning and um, they say it back. And if they don't say it back, it's rare now that they don't say it back. And it's okay. It doesn't affect you the same way. Yep. I'm just like, all right. See, I did the same thing, and I know that a lot of people will listen to our podcast and say, you are the adult, and you didn't even say hello to these children when they walked through that door. No, I didn't, because if they ignored me or grunted or groaned, it made me mad by my not asking them anything when they came in the door. It stopped a conversation from happening that may have turned negative. Right. And so you eliminated it. And that's what you did. In order to not get mad, 
because they didn't tell you hello. You just stop telling them hello. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not being disrespectful. You are protecting yourself while at the same time you're honoring their boundaries that they had. They didn't want you telling them hello. But look at the difference. Now you can. And if they don't, it's okay. I know with my stepkids, it would get to the point where you're testing these waters, like you said, and it has to be the comfort level of both people. And you're testing the waters and you say, okay, one day I'm going to try a good morning again because things are good. Walk down and say, good morning. And one of them says, good morning, Lori. And one of them just says, hmm. I have the relationship with them now that I will go over there and shake that child and say, you tell me good morning and you love me. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And it it used to be kind of bad with my youngest stepson when he would come back from his mom's, he would be in a particular kind of mood. And so that was hard, but I I don't know. uh, Once I, you know, started kind of not doing that, it, it seems like he's back in a better mood. I don't know what, you know, what is the cause of that? But I just feel like, hmm, he comes back and he's, he's not as grumpy towards me. And I'm sure it's because she was saying things about me. But, you know, I just kind of nachoed that as well. Like, hmm. Well, and it really could be that she's not saying anything about you. Yeah. Now, I know that these are high conflict bio moms, but I'm just saying, she may not be saying anything about you. He may have just had to leave from playing a game he wanted to play. Because he had to come to his dad's and then he doesn't want to leave his mom because she wasn't feeling good today. Or you, you know what I'm saying? There's so many factors that can cause these kids to act like they do on transition days that it's almost impossible to identify. Yes. And, you know, my mom used to always tell me this when I was growing up that, hey, not everything is about you. Yes. That's um, what I was going to say. <laughs> And I, that always comes to my mind that, you know what, not everything's about you, but it, you know, it feels so personal and you make everything about you. Yeah. They're doing this because they hate me and that's not the case. And it almost sounds like a snide remark. Yeah. Of it's it's not always about you, especially if you add Lori at the end. (laughs) (laughs) My mom did. She added my name at the end and I'm like, I hate that. Hate it. Hate it. That's one of my buttons. But I want people to understand by you nachoing, you made changes with yourself. You didn't expect changes from these other people. But what you saw when you made those changes was other things started changing and shifting. Yes, they did. Uh, Everything is just so much better since I started doing nacho correctly and not just how I kind of read about it in a a Reddit forum, really Mm -hmm. going through all the modules and really learning about how to do it effectively, how to get your spouse kind of on board that you're doing this out of love. You're doing this out of love for him and for his kids. Even if it seems like you don't like them and it's hard to be around them, you're doing it out of love for them for sure. You care yeah. about them. I I care about these boys so much. And and I want them to grow up and be happy adults. Even if I didn't like being around them, I still cared about that. 
And I thought that that was so important. These are my husband's kids and and I want them to have happy lives when they grow up. And I thought I knew best, but, (laughs) you know, I'm not their mom. Um, And so it was important for me to kind of take a step back and not act like I was their mom, even if they have moms that I think are, are not the greatest moms. They don't do the right things that they should they still love their moms and they've grown up in, in a different house than the house that we have now. Mm -hmm. I'm glad things are improving for you. Yeah, I really am. And I'm glad that you decided to join the Nacho Kids Academy and that your husband is supportive of what you're trying to do. And at some point you were going to realize, Hey, I can tell little Johnny, man, I wouldn't walk out the door wearing that. (laughs) (laughs) And him know that it's coming from a place of love, not criticism or judgment. Yes, I I cannot wait for that time. I I really want us to have a happy, blended family. I wish I would have known about this going into it. I see that all the time on different kind of social media forums of, if you would have known how hard it was going into this, would you have, you know, changed your mind? And a lot of people say, oh yeah, I would have never done that. But 90% of people, I'd say 95% of people say they would never do it again. I would. Yeah, I I totally would. This is uh, one of my greatest challenges and it, I know that it's going to pay off. Yes. And I'll be able to have these kids that I helped raise. And I think that, I think that they'll be better for it. I do. I think that my husband and I have a really loving home. And I think that without that, their lives would be a lot harder. And so I would do it again, but I would do it differently, (laughs) knowing better, you know? Oh yeah. I would not show straight out of the gate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My relationship with them would be similar to that of dad's girlfriend for a very long time, even if we were married. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now you have something that you went through and it was not, a very good thing. And is this what you were talking about when you said that your husband and you started off rocky? Uh, yes. Yeah. We kind of had a rocky start, you know, and I, and I talked about my youngest son's mom and she has, she's very high conflict. She has borderline personality disorder. She's very hard to get along with. She's just kind of a whirlwind of chaos constantly and causes issues wherever she goes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at, at that would be hell on earth to be a person who lives in that space. So I have empathy for her, but that doesn't mean I condone her behavior. And with these kind of people, I have learned that boundaries are essential. And my husband had very, I love him so much. And I think that, and I respect him so much. And I think he is so intelligent and so strong. But he had very, very poor boundaries with this woman. And it was really because he didn't want her to do something irrational and take his kid away from him. Right. And it's a real fear. It's a valid fear. And it was coming to life. I mean, she was trying to do that. So, you know, I would notice little things when we were dating that kind of bothered me that I just I didn't quite like. Uh, She would call him several times a day. Uh, whether her son was with him or with her. If their son was with her, she was calling my husband and asking him, you know, how do I do this? Or, 
you know, here's every little detail of what he did today, our son. Um, and if their son was with my husband, she was calling because she missed their son and couldn't bear to be away from him. And, you know, I can relate to that as a mom myself. It's it's hard to send your mm-hmm. kid for, you know, for days at a time, especially when they're young. You know, he was only three at the time. He's a young little kid. So that's hard as a mom. So I I could understand that as a mom from that perspective. But I thought it was weird the amount of time she would call. They also had something in their divorce decree that he wasn't allowed. My husband wasn't allowed to date anyone for a year after their divorce. What? I thought it was so weird. It was a weird thing to agree to. Yeah, he agreed to that. Yeah. And I was just kind of saying to myself, uh, you know, not really my business. I guess if this works for them, because, you know, I was getting along with my ex-husband really well. And, you know, his his wife, everything was going great. And for us, you know, it's so much better if you can get along. So maybe that's just how they were going to get along. I, I just thought... I'm going to stay out of it because I don't, I don't really understand, but I guess maybe that works for them. Now she still was dating. I think at the time that he and I met, which was seven months after their divorce, she was on like boyfriend number three or four. So it was rules. She had a rules for thee and not for me kind of situation. But you know, I, I just had really bad feelings about her from the start. I, I rarely have issues getting along with people. I try to be kind. I don't like conflict. I want people to like me and I want harmony. Like that's so important to have harmony. I don't always succeed, but it's important. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so dealing with somebody who's the opposite of that, that's that's rough for me. So about, it was less than a month into my husband and I dating and I hadn't met his kids or anything at this time, but for whatever reason, she knew that we were dating and he told me, that she kept bugging him and bugging him for us to meet. And I was like, okay, look. And it was about a month and a half later. I was like, look, she keeps bugging you to do this. How bad can it be? Let's just meet her. So we meet up with her and her boyfriend at the time. And her first question to me when I sat down was, so what's your parenting plan to parent the boys? What? And I was like, I was shocked. I, you know, I was like, I, I don't have a plan to parent the boys. I, I'm not their mom. So my plan would be to leave it that up to their parents. You know, this is before I knew anything about step parenting. I just was like, well, I, I don't have a plan for that. It's an awkward question, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I just thought this is really weird. She's kind of weird. I'm going to keep my distance from her. I just don't like her vibe. And during this meetup, Keep in mind, I was wearing a turtleneck dress, very classy turtleneck. And she went to the boy's nanny and told the nanny that she didn't want me around those boys because of how inappropriately I was dressed. (laughs) So from that point, I was like, oh, okay, this is the type of person she is. Great. Mm -hmm. So without Nacho, you know, knowing about Nacho, I decided, I guess, to Nacho her and just not kind of just not pay attention to what she was doing because I that was weird. She's a weird Mm -hmm. person. And I know in the Nacho Academy, there's a module about high conflict bio moms. And I, I think it's in that one that you say something to the effect, Lori, of um, bio moms will say, we don't want your husband. Don't worry about it. You know, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Is it in that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And in my case, you you were right that they do. Sometimes they do. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if my ex 
my husband's ex-wife really actually wanted him back or if what she did was just kind of an effort to cause utter and complete chaos in everyone's lives. Cause that was kind of her MO. Mm-hmm. So one night I had to work late on a project for work. And this was before my husband and I were living together, you know, about three months before our wedding. And I work from home. I were, you know, I worked from home before all the COVID stuff. So I was just working at home late on this project. And my husband had wanted me to come over, but I couldn't because I had so much work to do. And so for whatever reason, he was feeling really down about me not coming over that night. And he started drinking some wine. And his Dang ex- wine. I know. I know. Um, and his ex-wife, as usual, she was calling him to complain about something. And I guess asked him if he had been drinking because she could tell and said, oh, you know what? I'm coming over. And his story is that he told her not to. But she came over anyways and just walked inside, which is like her. Whenever I had been at his house in the past and she came over for pickups or drop offs, she would just walk in and make herself right at home. Mm -hmm. So my husband told me about this incident. I think a week later after it happened, told me it was just tearing him up inside. And he realized that I would I would leave him and I would not want to marry him. But he had to tell me and be honest, which I do believe him about his honesty. His, His story hasn't changed in the two years since this has happened and it's stayed consistent. He's just not a person that really has lied about anything. Mm -hmm. So his story is that she comes over, she starts kissing him. One thing led to another and, and they ended up having sex. And he said he was so drunk that he didn't really know what was going on, but he still took full responsibility for his actions. And he said that afterwards, you know, she got up and left and said, you messed up my world. Now I just messed up yours. <gasps> yeah. With more colorful language. Oh, I'm sure I, I caught that pause there. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads me to believe that she, she really just wanted to cause chaos. And, and that was her goal. Um, it's not that she maybe wanted to get back with him. It was just kind of control everybody involved. So, I mean, I was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still hurting, but I, you will always have hurt over that. Yes. Yeah. I do know that my husband loves me and he he really has done nothing to show me that he loves me before that happened. And, and after I, I do think it was a terrible choice. It made me question him, you know, his morality and, and made me think, you know, this is a person that just makes terrible decisions. And and I've, I've since changed my mind on that, but it's something I thought for a bit. And, and like I said, I love him. And I do believe that we were meant to be together. You know, I, I had prayed for this man to come in my life. And and I think that he was sent to me from God. I, I do truly believe that. And, and so I decided, you know what? I can forgive him. And I'm comfortable and confident enough in myself that if he does this sort of thing again, I'd be okay. And to be on my own, I'd be okay to move on with my life and take care of my daughter. But to me, being with this man is really what I was meant to do. And I was determined to just move past it and that we would be happy together. And and I can tell you we have been. I, I'm so grateful I have him as my partner. We got married, you know, a few months after that happened. And we're celebrating our two-year anniversary here next week. We're going back to Mexico where we got married. So um, I'm so happy we stuck it out and worked through it. But it didn't come without some serious boundaries with um, bio mom number two. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, like an electric gate around her or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's 
allowed at my house or on my property at all. And our nanny does all the pickups and drop offs. So there is very little contact. So she's just not allowed, which was the reason why one of the reasons why she was filing for custody was because I wouldn't let her on the property. So. (laughs) Ah, well, I know everyone's saying you stayed with him. Yeah. Did you have to go to counseling, therapy? Were you able to get through this yourself without that? No, we did go to therapy. We went to a therapist, I think a couple of sessions and we, we worked through it and, you know, really it's just the, that therapist said, you know what, I can tell that you guys just really love each other and that you're just hurting. And so we worked through it. And then about a year later, this woman, (laughs) she started causing some problems again, just mainly sending the stepson over sick every single time he would come over and not taking him to the doctor and then pulling me in and asking me to take her son to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And so she started kind of causing some problems and that just kind of brought up old feelings of, of me being so mad at him for bringing this chaos into my life and, and at her, of course. Um, So I, we did go see another counselor a year later, which was good. Yes. We, we did too. And so now I think we're in a good place and um, she's, she just got remarried. And so I think this is husband number four for her. Yeah. So um, I think that we can count on her causing more chaos in the future, but I think we're ready for that. And um, just having those boundaries of you're not allowed to call us over and over again. Like I have her number blocked. You're not allowed to be at our house. Um, And those are the boundaries that we've set for her. I am impressed that you were able to forgive him and move forward with your relationship with him. That's not easy. And a lot of people say, if you ever cheat on me, I'll leave. Well, that's what they think they will do. But a lot of times when it happens, there are women that are able to forgive their partners. And there are some that try really hard, but they can't. But it sounds like to me that you were able to look at this from a 30,000-foot view and see what happened and to give him that grace and compassion and forgiveness for messing up. Yes. And I'm I'm glad I did. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for a better partner. And I, I really do think it was just a mistake. A, a terrible one that shouldn't have happened, but he had a hard time with boundaries and it, it ended up causing something pretty bad to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody deserves, you know, that chance to redeem themselves. Right. And, and maybe mm-hmm. people can't forgive and that's okay. I think it depends on the the circumstance, but I think for him, he, he's shown that, this is this mm-hmm. was a one-time mistake, and it's been worth it to stay with him for sure. Well, again, I'm impressed with you because I don't know that I could do it. I know in the past I haven't been able to. And I think a lot of that is the situation, of course. It wasn't the same. And at the time... I think that I didn't have as much control over myself and my mind to where I couldn't move past it. I'm not saying I should have, 
Mm-hmm. Idaho stepmom and I are neither one saying that you need to forgive your husband if he cheats on you or your boyfriend or whatever. We are saying it is a decision that you have to make on your own. And it's hard. I can't imagine. But gosh, you know, these the kids have already been through so much. It's like, man, they they deserve a better life. And and we we just really love each other. And so it it's worth it for us. I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us. It not only gives people hope that maybe have dealt with infidelity in their relationship, but it also gives a lot of these stepmoms and stepdads hope. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. And and uh, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being a guest. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, Lori. There were several things, of course, that I could relate to in this interview. One thing she said, she stopped cooking when the stepkids were there. Didn't take long before they started complaining about her husband's cooking. (laughs) I never had that problem. And guess what? When the kids are complaining about your partner's cooking, it don't affect you as much as when they're complaining about your cooking. (laughs) No, and it shouldn't. It's a little different. It's easy for me to go, oh, David, don't worry if Jackson complains about your cooking. Just ignore it. Just cook a different meal for him. But if I'm cooking and Jackson's complaining about it, I'm not going to tell myself to ignore it. Feels different. It's a personal attack. Yep. We take it personally. Yeah. Because it's not that I don't like your food. It's that I don't like you. Well, there's, (laughs) you know, there's the HelloFresh idea, right? Yeah. And we did that for a while, and I liked it, except for they lie about how long it takes to cook stuff. To make, it'll say five minutes prep time. I'm like, it took five minutes to get everything out of the box. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes prep time, 25 minutes later, I'm still cutting potatoes. <laughs> but do you know how many arguments are caused over food? A lot. And it's not just in blended families. It happens in nuclear families. But the difference Mm -hmm. is the nuclear kid doesn't run back to somebody else's house and say, my mama is fixing nasty food. Well, they could go to a neighbor and say that. The neighbor's going to be like, oh, shut up, go home. But they can't play the parents against each other as easily. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say as easily is I was that child that had the intelligence to never ask my mom anything that I wanted yes to be the answer. <laughs> I would ask my father. So you only asked your mom questions where you wanted to know. I avoided asking my mama anything, to be honest. So if you had a friend ask you if you could come over and you didn't want to, then you would ask your mom. Yeah. And she'd say no. Right. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, well. See, mom won't let me. <laughs> well, if I asked my dad something, he said, ask your mom. I'm like, no, daddy, please don't make me ask her. <laughs> you know she's going to say no. And that's something else I learned very young. What? The cry and whine? No. no that, that didn't do nothing but get my butt beat. You learn not to start off with, I know you're going to say no, but. There's one of the kids that did that a lot, and you would always say that. Why did not you start it off with that? Stop doing that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, because they set you up to be in that mindset. Yeah. It's some kind of study they've done. Yeah. I don't know why kids do that, though. It is interesting. I say kids. I mean, not all my kids did that, but there was one in particular that did that almost every time. And I'd say, you don't know that. Just ask. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I know you're going to say yes, but I figured I'd ask anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you wasn't that bright. <laughs> no. I was more like, I'll get forgiveness than permission. Mm-hmm. Now, as y'all heard, three months before the wedding is when her future husband cheated on her with Bio Mom. Bio Mom said, you've messed up my life, now I've messed up yours. Oh. Mm-mm. Thankfully, anonymous stepmom chose to forgive him and work work on their relationship. Yep. Yep. Well, it must be working out. They're, what, two years, two and a half years past it? Yeah. Yep. Well, I say I shouldn't say past, not past it, as if in, you know. Right. They're completely over it, more like past the event. But it takes a long time to get past the pain. I don't know if you ever do. Um, yeah, maybe not. Mm-hmm. I'm past the pain of somebody cheating on me, but I didn't, but I'm not with them anymore. So, <laughs> right, right. I think that's where the difference is. Yeah. But when I was with them and it was years later, I was not past it. But here's what she said, David. What'd she say? She still has hurt and always will. Yeah. 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 You can move forward. You never forget. You can forgive, but not forget. And it is, um, it's very easy for your mind to remind you of some things you don't want to be reminded of. Happens to me on a daily basis. And it fills in the blank too sometimes. Like, mm, you got to be careful. Your mind, as the preacher says, the scene of the crime is in your mind. Or an absent mind is the devil's playground. That's not what it says. (laughs) That's not what who says? It's not an absent mind. An idle mind. (laughs) (laughs) An idle mind. An idle mind is the devil's playground. We're going to wrap it up now. (laughs) She is hitting the bottom. (laughs) All right. Join us next week when she's had about a week to rest. (laughs) Remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.